Welcome to Whining About Real Estate. This is our no-fluff, authentic conversations of top producer knowledge in real estate. So grab some wine and let's talk about local markets, proven strategies, and action steps to empower you through your journey in real estate. So thank you so much for joining us. We have some great information for you today. And to start out... This wonderful bottle of Farniente from our one of our most recent closings with Angela and John. Thank you very much for congratulations letting us help you through what was a wonderful journey and a great experience in how to write offers. Uh, so thank you very <laughs> much to the local market, right? So speaking of local market, let's, let's talk, talk about it. What's what's going on there? So as of today, which is uh, April seventh, twenty twenty two, in Silicon Valley, Santa Clara County, California, the um, Single family market has 758 homes for sale currently. And in the condo townhouse market, there are 336 available as of this moment. So it's right around, I don't know, we call it 1,100 homes for sale. So with that, is that a buyer's or a seller's market? Well, it still has, you know, it's still constricted inventory. It's still tight. The numbers that I'm going to share with you from the March sales will help indicate which way the market's going. Right. So let's get into it. March, March sales, single family homes, 980 of them. Condominiums and townhomes were 530 for about 1,500 sales against the 1,100 we have now. Says that makes it about a three-week supply of homes, and that means sellers market. Yes, yes. So very competitive for the buyers out there. And what's more interesting is the numbers when we get into them here of what's happening dollar-wise. So the 980 single-family homes, the average sales price in Santa Clara County was 1.8. Very close. 2.2 million dollars. And that was 116% over the asking price. Not bad. Average days on market was 10. So homes are selling very quickly, obviously, in a very competitive environment. And the average price per square foot was $1,175. Seems about right. Yeah. So there was a uh, tremendous sale in our valley, if you call it tremendous. One home sold, and it was the highest house sold in Santa Clara County. What do you think it sold for? Five million. Five million's close. Ten million dollars. Who was that guy? <laughs> or girl? Or... I don't know. Someone had a wonderful home. Looks sounds like five bedrooms, four and a half bathrooms, seven thousand five hundred plus square feet in Los Altos. Wow. Yeah. Incredible. Nice. And I'm sure it was a, a competitive environment for that too. Had no days on the market, so it sold quickly. I'd like to be that realtor if you're ready for that. Yeah. Person. We're next. We're here for you. How about the lowest sale? Lowest sale in Santa Clara County. How much? 500,000. Very close. 600. And that was uh, a three bedroom, one bath, just about 1,400 square feet down in Gilroy. You, get, you know, starter homes are still available and what I would call reasonable for people to still get in. So. And that's the key is getting in, yeah, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. So on the condominiums and townhomes with the 530 that were sold, what do you think the average sales price was? $1.1 million, um, average price per square foot, somewhere around $827 a square foot. Oh. So only 11 days on the market but took still, a long a million, over a million dollars yeah. average for a condo. So here's a great one. How much do you think the highest sales price condo in Santa Clara County was in March? Man. Do, 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 yeah. Do, do. Uh, the highest price? Yeah, the highest sale price. Uh, one seven. Yeah. $3.9 million. <laughs> And that was a lovely two bedroom, two and a half bath, 2,082 square then foot. Then you get opera. a masseuse in your closet. <laughs> I don't know what you get for almost $4 million, wow. but you get to live in Palo Alto. Yes. So, and then on the lower end, the lowest sales price is in uh, Santa Clara County. What do you think the lowest condo price was? 400000 Very close. 380000 
And for that, you get a lovely one-bedroom, one-bathroom, 456-square-foot. But it's yours. It's yours. And you're in. And you only paid $380,000. So those are some fun statistics that have been going on in the local marketplace. You know, another thing that I looked up, we talked uh, in our previous podcast about uh, people adding ADUs, accessory dwelling units, to their properties. I, lo I looked at the average sales price for homes in Santa Clara County that sold with an ADU. It sold for almost $200 a square foot higher wow. than one without. Yeah. Um, almost $1,400 a square foot, which just goes to show that uh, the potential for adding not just additional housing in Santa Clara County, but housing that can not only increase the value of your current home, right. provides revenue as well. It's a, it's a wonderful way to be able to get in increase your wealth through a rental property on your own property. Yeah. And the rents on those are yeah. extremely high. I've got a client with a one bedroom, one bath that he's getting $2,700. I know. For. It's crazy. We have great contacts to help people who want to look into that. Yep. There are, there are Financing options, builder options that you could talk to. Yeah. We have software that we can use just to run some rough ideas on where on your property the ADU could go. How big it could be. How many. Yeah. Um, we have friends that have two on their property yeah. right now. Yeah. So. Just something to think about if you're a homeowner in Santa Clara County and want to look at ways to increase your real estate wealth. Yeah. And, and cash flow too. So yep. I have some other fun facts. I just love fun facts. I want to share with you. I've been doing some reading uh, about the last census that we had in the United States. And they talk about the homeownership census. And I'm going to have to put my glasses on for this one because I've, it's a little small. So it says that 65% of the homes in the United States, when the census was done in 2020, were 65% were owner-occupied. Hmm. 75% was the highest owners ownership rate per state. And what state do you think that was? There's only 50 of them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Hawaii. Great. No, Maine. Oh. <laughs> of the all the homes in the United States, 12% of them were noticed as vacant, meaning nobody's living in them, empty. 88% of uh, those homes have broadband internet, which I don't know. What about the other 12%? They don't have internet. What do they do? They can't see us? I'll forget you guys. 42% <laughs> of the homes have one or more people my age, 62 or old. So that's interesting, I thought. And um, in the average, the 12% of the population moved in 2020. Mm. So not bad. So that's just some interesting statistics. What was the other one we were going to talk about? Interest rates. We talked about interest rates and you were mentioning... Uh, on the buy side. Yeah, interesting. So, you know, obviously there's a lot of stuff going on around the increase of interest rates. Still over the lifetime of interest rates, still in a great position. But, you know, it, it is a big shift from going from, you know, 2.75, 3% to now we're over 4. 4.17. Yeah, depending, you know, on lender and your financial situation and everything. I found it was very interesting that the purchase demand has continued to outpace the expectations, even with mm -hmm. the increase in rates. So, you know, we thought, well, okay, is this going to hold back? Are we going to get less offers, less demand? I think that there's been a slight questioning from clients of what to do in yeah. this particular situation, but it's still moving forward very rapidly and people are making adjustments with yeah. the interest rate. I think we were all you know, expecting that with higher interest rates that the pace would slow down. But I think what's happening is people are actually trying to get in before they're going any higher. Right. So they're still out there getting those multiple offers and trying to get in. And when you look at the increased payment amount, 
uh, of, you know, an eighth of percent on your interest rate versus what the appreciation rate is. Right. So maybe you pay an extra hundred or 200 a month in your mortgage payment. But when you look about what the appreciation rate has been, it's well offset by that. And, and that should hopefully continue for as long as possible. Right. But you look back on this chart, we got this chart, those interest rates in 1972 were on average 7.38. And as you go through this chart, it hit a high of about 10.13 in 2003. So 4% still. I mean, I think when I bought my first condo in Campbell, it was like 7.9 yeah, yeah. or something was my interest rate, which. And I think our house, our first house was like nine, nine and change yeah. back in the yeah. nineties, but it's still 4%, you know, people think, oh my God, it's 4%, we're right. 2.75, 4% still good, you know, yeah. and money's cheap. And if inflation is at seven and a half percent, look at you're only paying right. 4% for interest. Right. So not too bad. All right. So our main topic after all that is, uh. What should we talk about today? What do you think? Yeah, I thought, you know, why do you need a realtor? Mm, great question. I think that there's a lot to talk about with that. Yeah, absolutely. So why do you think you need a realtor? You want me to start? Yeah. Well, I think the most important thing is to get professional advice from someone who knows the marketplace right. and knows how to guide you through the process. You know, most people th think that this is probably one of the hardest and most important financial transactions that a person will have in their lifetime. Okay. And well, most expensive, that's for sure. Well, in our area, for sure. Yeah. I think that what, what gets lost is that, you know, it, it is a difficult transaction. It's a difficult process. There's so much to understand. There's so much paperwork that's involved in it and so much explaining of the different details in that paperwork and the interpretations of the inspections, et cetera, that, um, you know, it's, it's not easy. And whoever says, whoever, whatever realtor or agent out there says, oh, it's easy. Well, you know, unfortunately, no, it's not easy. It's difficult. Yeah. But people like us, people who do it the way we do it, make it look easy because we are really good at what we do. And I'm not trying to brag on us. I'm simply trying to say that it's a difficult transaction that requires guidance and help from a professional. I think also having the intention of building clients for life, which obviously our business model is very different. And this is our career for life. You've mm -hmm. been in it over 30 years and now I've been licensed in the business since 2000, long time. <laughs> when do I retire? <laughs> no, but you know, having that intention of this is, this is it, this is what we do and making sure that we're around for our clients for the long term, mm -hmm. whether it be good, bad, and different, whether they're moving up or they in a tight spot of having to move down or mm -hmm. downsize or completely sell and move out of state, you know, having all of that availability of information and protection yeah. is the biggest key. Yeah. And that information is out there on the internet for everyone to go look at, but it's the interpretation of that information. Right. You know, it's what's going to happen going forward. You know, what are we looking at? How does this, this property compare to another property that's sold recently? You know, what can I anticipate to be happening in this marketplace? You know, what, what does it mean when it talks about, you know, the, the, the list of sales price ratio, for example, or how many days it's on market? You know, the, the, inter the internet has vast information, but you, you have to be, you know, what we do every day to put that into perspective for right. everybody and answer the questions. You know, uh, I, I can look up how to do heart surgery, but I'm not going to let myself do it. You know? <laughs> you know, really has a lot of, lot of interpretation and handholding and guidance. And I think that there's vast benefit in having the security of knowing that you're dealing with someone who knows what they're doing. I think even from a simple comparison of the value that's shown on 
you know, the internet right now. And, you know, there's a couple of, you know, I don't know if we're allowed to say big name kind of Redfin and Zillow. Obviously it's a very consumer friendly product. Mm -hmm. Everyone, even our clients like to view and set up searches on Redfin. They just do because it's easy. You can quickly look at property information really fast. Even sometimes I look up information on Redfin because this quick data. Mm -hmm. However, there's such a difference if you were to look at the value of the home from Zillow to Redfin to us pulling the true data and using the appropriate homes and not just utilizing an automated valuation mm -hmm. system. Just that alone shows you the need for someone to really get down into the information, peel away the onion and get the true data in which is applicable to the property itself. Yeah. And it includes the features and benefits of the neighborhood too. Right. Schools, location closest to shopping, transportation, the transit systems, there's so much that goes into it. So when the Zillows and, and Redfins of the world are looking at a, you know, high level 30,000 foot algorithm, yeah. you know, it's important to drill down and see exactly how that fits for that property. Now I'll give them credit. They're getting better and better at valuation. Right. But are they better and better about explaining what that property's features and benefits are? Right. I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think so. I think it still takes a, a, a trained eye. It takes a confident person that you have confidence in as well to be able to go out and represent you and, and look at your interests. And also show an appraiser why the property <laughs> is valued yeah. at the price that it is in contract for. If you hand an appraiser a Redfin and a Zillow report, he's going to give you a special yeah. kind of... Well, I think it's important to be able to, to share information with those that are in, the, in our business doing their job as well. Yeah. You know, while the appraisers are independent appraisers are supposed yeah. to give a objective value, I think it's important that they understand the market as well too. And that protects our buyers when they're overpaying three, four hundred, five hundred thousand dollars right. over asking price to show the justification for that. Right. And I think it takes a true professional to do that. And let's talk about disclosure because that's mm -hmm. a huge piece, some of newer realtors or people not wanting to use a realtor. Let's talk about how important the disclosure piece of it is. Mm -hmm. So there's different stages of disclosure too. You know, we experience the upfront disclosures that most uh, real estate agents or realtors provide for their seller clients. And then of course, there's our own property investigations that we do if the seller hasn't done them. And in our marketplace, we always do our investigation first. We take care of all the inspections and everything to make sure right. we know absolutely everything that's going on with that property. But from the buy side, you don't always do, have that. So then you have to do your own investigation. You have to interpret the disclosures. Right. And then reality sets in after they move in. And sometimes not everything's been on those disclosures. Right. So we look for red flags. We look for things that aren't, haven't been notified in those disclosures or those inspections from a walkthroughs that we do with the property, the interactions we have with the inspections, and of course, our own experience, what's going on in the neighborhoods. Right. And how to plan after, if by chance that happens, you know, having that experience, the company behind you, the, the legal pieces of contractually working through the contract and how to protect both sides, mm -hmm. whether you're the seller or the buyer through that is extremely important. Yeah. And I think experience that we have, experience that a lot of agents in our, in our category Absolutely. have means a lot and our reputation too. You know, when we're yeah. talking to other agents, you know, they know how we do business and we know how they do business. Right. It goes back to what we talked about before, those relationships, once again, that deal with these issues that come up or don't come up, but the disclosures that we look at and say, okay, this is a valid person who knows what they're doing. Right. And on our side too, we know what we're doing. Well, especially right now in a non-contingent world, and I'm sure that you've heard about 
non-contingent, whether you've purchased or not, that's just a huge topic yeah. in yeah. our area. It's a non-contingent market. The, yeah. the seller doesn't have to accept contingencies because of the demand and the attractiveness of the offer. You really can't. It's really difficult to have a contingent offer. Yeah. And then, you know, what comes up, speaking of contingent offer, when we represent sellers where we get non-contingent offers and then something comes up and the buyer doesn't want to close. Yeah. So how do you work through that? You have to have experience on how to work through that. That's a volatile situation. Right. You know, the buyer's got money at risk. The seller's already on their way out the door and someone says, wait a minute, I'm not sure I want to close on this transaction. Right. But hey, I put up a deposit. Well, that's going to be a problem for them. Right. So how to handle those types of things. This is where a realtor... A, you know, experienced realtor with many transactions under their belt that can make sure that one, they avoid these pitfalls and two, they don't know how to guide you through anything like that. Yeah. That's probably the best reason that you have to hire a realtor like that. Yeah. So what else do we want to talk about on that? That's the sell side. Are we talking buy side or sell side? We kind of did like, both. We kind of did both on that one. I think, you know, with the sellers, the guidance most certainly through the disclosure mm -hmm. process, through the contractual obligation, mm -hmm. through every part of it is yeah. extremely important. We didn't touch on the negotiation piece well, of representing a seller. You know, when you're representing yourself or deciding to go with someone that has less experience, they're going to be excited at whatever comes its way, right? Yeah. <laughs> if that's their only sale for the year. Right. You know, and I think that's a good point. The negotiations, I mean, it starts from the beginning. If you look at why, again, going back to why use a realtor, it starts with the, when we go to meet the client for the first time, whether yeah. it's our past client or if it's been someone who's referred to us or it's just someone who's found us because they know how great we are from our online reviews and everything else, right. our podcasts, they go, well, these people are wonderful. Starting out with what, what do I have to do to my house yeah. to make it obtain top dollar? Now, everyone just thinks, you know, you just put a sign on the ground here in San Jose or in Silicon Valley, it's going to get top dollar. Well, yes and no. Right. There are some things that you should you know, take into account. And that takes, again, a professional eye that yeah. used to selling homes to come yeah. in and say, this is what we should do. And more importantly, what we shouldn't do. Yeah, because obviously you want to do the things that you're going to get a return on your investment, correct? Mm -hmm. So if you're replacing something, but you're not going to quite get it back and the money mm -hmm. on the sale itself, then what's the point of doing right. it, right? And oftentimes buyers will come in and redo everything anyways mm -hmm. to make it what they want. So there's a there's a certain level that you need to... So, know and be guided on what is going to make most sense to get you top dollar. So it starts there. Yeah. And then when, of course, the sales process, as we guide you through the sales process, when the offers come in, yeah. it's the uh, experienced agents like ourselves that know how to negotiate ourselves into the best position for our client and yeah. making their money feel like our money. We treat it like it's our own. We want to make sure we can get them the most possible dollars for their home, the least amount of uh, inconvenience to them in the shortest amount of time. And being able to work with other agents and negotiate with the other agents to be able to get them to see the uh, value that we look at the property, the benefits that we see in our yeah. property, and be able to work them up to the numbers that uh, we think are going to be the best for our sellers. Negotiate. When we talk about what we charge for what we do, the, I say the most important thing that you're paying us for is negotiation. Yeah, you know, absolutely. The bottom line is you're going to net more money with us because of our negotiation skills and yep. our property preparation. Yeah. So. There's also so many different types of transactions too. It's not just a seller to a buyer. There's emotion and reason and all kinds of different things, or it's a, a parent who's passed, mm -hmm. or there's so many different levels of the process and why you're selling. And it's important to have someone who has the ability to understand, number one, 
have a plan in place that can guide you through that process or the family through that process. And, you know, we, we do a lot of those types of transactions and having the care and gentle ability to guide through that process is extremely important as well. Yeah. And to be able to give sound advice to right. a lot of times emotions take over and you need someone that's not emotional, right. um, that we are the unemotional part of the transaction that brings the reason to the, to the deal and try to keep emotions out of it for you. I think that sometimes emotions get heated on both sides. We're yeah. thinking I'm not getting enough. I'm overpaid for this. And then we can just show, right. here's the facts. Let's base our decision on a unattached Unattached keyword, yeah. yeah, unattached yeah. document. That's where we stand in the middle, and I think we do a really great job. Yeah. And again, not trying to toot our horn. I just know that our clients really love what we do. But there's a lot of information too that you know maybe some realtors don't really know about, mm -hmm. like a property being in a trust versus a probate situation. Mm -hmm. You know, not understanding how to help the client through that process. So really vetting your realtor that you're choosing in their ability to understand all different types of transactions, not just your seller to buyer A to B kind yeah. of situation. 1031 tax deferred exchanges for rental properties. Right. There's just so much that you have to know and be able to guide people through. Right. That's where experienced realtors are the best idea. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I think one of the next topics we want to have is actually talking about the trust situation because it's so important to and, and I'll even use myself as an example. I know this business inside and out and Brian and I don't have a trust right now. Yeah. It's terrible. Yeah. And it's not hard to do. It's you have to just get with someone who is a, a great attorney that can draw that up. And I, I know my dad's trust. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, you do. Um, you're, wait, you'll be surprised. No. Oh, man. <laughs> but, Come on, you know, man. We, we have experienced uh, probate and trust attorneys that uh, we use all the time to help our clients. And in fact, when we talk with our clients, we ask them, do you have a trust for your property? No, well, you should. And we, we love to be able to set you up with some great referrals for people that we're working with on a regular basis. The worst thing for anyone getting a home from a past parent someone has passed on is one that's not in a trust because the probate process is just grueling and, and, and extremely fruit. expensive. It's expensive and uh, timely. I mean, yeah. start to finish could be 18 months yeah. before you have the ability to sell that property. So yep. yeah, it's just awful. So that, I think that's, you know, going to be one of our next topics. Mm -hmm. We're really just trying to bring quick information that you can listen to at your leisure with wine or without yeah. really just trying to empower you through the process again. The podcast idea came from clients. When we did our year plan last year, we asked people, what is it that you want? What would be a good thing to provide you with information? And, you know, I, a lot of people said podcasts, so we're super excited to just, you know, fun and keep this light, but give you good information and local updates on the market so that you always feel constantly empowered and supported in your real estate journey. Whether you're not in that yet and you're renting right now and you want to put a plan in place to at some point potentially consider buying that's the start to the journey or sure. whether you own a property and you haven't gotten a trust yet you need some additional information i think us being a resource is truly important to support all of our friends you know i recently had a, a friend ask about lot line adjustments and getting some information mm -hmm. and yeah. you know the fence might be over a little bit much and you know, there's all kinds of things that come up and we just really want to be that resource for 
all of our friends. Bring your neighbor wine if your fence is on their property. <laughs> <laughs> or you could be like one of our friends and just fight. Well, I think that we're also be bringing some guests on some of these topics too. Right? Yeah. Some of our referral partners in the legal world will be able to give you more information than we possibly could regarding the legal aspects of a trust and how it's protecting you and your family and your assets too. Our goal is to even do some live ones at, you know, some wineries, make this a really fun way for us to get together with our clients and past clients and meet new people. So if you have any suggestions or wineries that, you know, might want to post a really fun father-daughter team, (laughs) I think it would be great. So I I just want to thank you guys so much. Remember to uh, like, share, comment. DM us some information on what you feel would be important because we really are doing this for you. Hmm. Although it's fun to drink with him Hmm. on a Thursday. DMS? Yeah. No idea what that is. (laughs) DMS? DM, direct method. Oh, oh, okay. (laughs) No idea what that was. I don't even know what DMS is, Uh, but yeah. DM us. I got it. DM us. I got it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. I learned something new. All right. Well, for today. Well, thank you so much. Uh, Again, thank you so much for whining about real estate and, you know, as we always say on our posts, we're never too busy for your referrals. So keep that in mind. And we'd love the opportunity to help you, your family, and support making you independently wealthy through real estate. So <laughs> thank you so much, guys. Thank you. Have a good day.